So what's my future? You don't have one. I see you, but you can't see me. Now, as we open another tomb inside the catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights podcast. My name's Hunter, and with me, of course, like always, I have my good friend and co host, Shelby. Oh, I'm so happy you consider me a good friend. Uh, you're not only a, a good friend, I would dare say you're a great friend. Aww, that's lame. Well, it's uh, it's it's the last <laughs> bit of kindness you're getting for the rest of the night, so, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, folks, in case you did not read the title and just push play on the episode, which I don't know how many of y'all have ever done that, I've sometimes done it, which is why I mention it, um, I just see my favorite podcast just posted and, and I dive right into it, but I doubt a lot of you are as weird as I am, but this is the big HHN 25 retrospective episode part one and the reason we are uploading on this day is because as of right now as of today this is the fifth anniversary of the kickoff of HHN 25 and what better way to celebrate Shelby and I's takeover of the catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights than talking about the biggest year that her and I have been able to attend um, in the last couple years, you know, like the 30th was going to overtake it. And then, and then we had a whole like pandemic happen and I, I feel like it was intentional, but I don't quite have proof for that yet. <laughs> so for those of you who are familiar with the catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights, you know what we do. We are here to deliver a retrospective all about your favorite years of the event one by one. And with it being HHN 25, that's a huge year. That's a massive year. We're going to have to split this baby up into a couple episodes. Actually, let's triple it. Let's do three episodes. Okay. So this first episode, we're going to give you a little bit of backstory behind the event. We're going to give you the ticket pricings and the dates, that, that kind of fun stuff, the, the informational side of it. And then we are going to do a dive into the scare zones featured. Next uh, next episode, we are going to talk about the houses that were featured at HHN 25. And then to wrap it all up, we're going to get kind of more into like the lore and the shows, that kind of backstory. This year definitely deserves all that coverage, and we can't wait to dive into it with you guys. Oh, yeah. It's only a little bit intimidating. Um, but we have to remember we wouldn't be here if Matt and Quint didn't talk about the last 24 years of Halloween Horror Nights. Literally. And this is a, uh, they've passed the mantle over to us. We are steering the ship. It's not our first episode of Catacombs that we've done alone, but this is like, uh, we went from like a canoe down a river to like doing the Titanic. Uh, maybe not a great comparison because <laughs> that boat sank, but you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. And if it does sink, we'll go down like the captain of the ship and we'll no. go down. That's right. We'll go down like the SS Frightanic, huh? Huh? 
Hey. <laughs> well, without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into what you all at home are looking forward to, and that is the beginning of our HHN 25 retrospective series. Okay, so like Shelby. The dive in. Oh, get it? <laughs> get it, dive? Because we sank? Oh, gosh. Funny joke. I don't know why I put up with you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I am going to segue into our first topic of tonight, and it's probably the most boring part of the whole episode. No offense. It's essential. Um, but some we people find it interesting. It yeah. I know. Some, I mean, I found it interesting when I used to listen to Matt and Quinn back in the day. The event nights of Halloween Horror Nights 25. This was the first event, I believe, that ran the longest time. Uh, it has in its history. I know words. Um, this was the longest running event of Horror Nights history so far, um, as far as I'm aware. Right, Hunter? Yeah, yeah, you're totally right. This uh, this was the longest event up to that point, and that kind of repeats like every year going forward. It's, uh, oh my goodness, it's the longest event yet ever. Oh my goodness, it's the longest event ever, with the most <laughs> houses ever. It's, it becomes a cycle. It was... Extra special, I feel like, because this was the anniversary year and having it be longer and bigger than ever, I felt like it was uh, added that extra touch of it being an extra special year. Um, That's right. But moving on to the dates, it started off super early, at least super early in terms of Horror Nights at the time. Um, It started the first night, it was on September 18th, and that went on to the next day, which was the 19th, and segue to the next week, the 24th to the 27th. The 1st through the 4th of October, 7th through the 11th, 14th through the 18th, 21st through the 25th, 28th through the 30th, or sorry, 28th through the 31st, and November 1st. Yep. Um, did you have something to add on? I, I mean, not really. I believe, so they, they do like to sometimes just kind of round out the weekends. So November 1st looks like it was always part of the original scheduling. It wasn't... Uh, it wasn't Halloween and they got extended like we've seen happen a lot in the later years, but I still think it's a, uh, it's pretty cool. I like, I like when they do that. Hey, Halloween is over for all the, all you normies. Um, but for all you weirdos with your frequent fear passes, you can still come get a little bit of Halloween for one or two more nights. Yep. Man, back in my day, no one used to show up to that November 1st date. It was dead. But nowadays, after ones there yeah yeah and i always thought it was cool because like i said this was my first year uh attending as a, as a lot of you know but like every other i feel like halloween attraction for the most part ends on like the 28th or like even the 27th or something like that so the fact that hhn ran on halloween and the day after halloween when i was like a new fan coming into it i just thought it was the coolest thing ever because most places kind of hang it up for the season by that point yeah, even when they add on the extra day during the actual event that wasn't originally scheduled, it gives the fans that extra, like, uh, they feel like they're extra loved or uh, that sense of hype that they get to go again. I mean, you've got you've got so many different nights. I mean, ending at 2 a.m. on the... Wait, are we going to cover the event times? Oh, yeah, go for it. Oh, okay, sure. I, I just didn't want to take your spot if you were about to hit this. Oh, no, it's okay. fine. So most of the nights you were looking at a 6.30 to 1 a.m. close, but on some of those special nights, 
no less on Halloween, you got a, a 2 a.m. close. And those 2 a.m. closes just hit different, especially on Halloween. They do. Yeah, just those 2 a.m. Because most people have kind of, like, petered out. And, like, honestly, by that point, just because we go hard, speaking for Shelby and I, like, <laughs> we've probably been there since Stay and Scream. We've, like, done three or four drinks in that time period. We've sweated through our clothes, as gross as that sounds. Um, we've passed out on a bench in a scare zone for a little while. But, like, you get this, like, I don't know how to describe it, but you get, like, this drunken vibe energy when, like, 1 a.m. hits, and you're like, we've got one last hour, and all the weights, they're, like, 15 minutes or less. We gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go. And you just, like, hit everything, and especially the back of the park, and your feet are, like, you're, like, hearing the Chariots of Fire music in the background, <laughs> and, like, you're really feeling it. And then, like, the walk through City Walk on the way out, you've got, like, Eye of oh, the Tiger, God. because you're, like, pushing yourself back to the car. It's the most painful walk. It's so much longer. It's like the stretching hallway when you're walking back to your car. The hallway just keeps getting longer and longer. Literally. Like, I don't remember parking this far away. <laughs> you're like, oh, man, you put me in E.T. I think it, I think it was Matt who infamously quoted, I believe this was the uh, Media Night HHN 26 review. He said, if the worst thing that happens tonight is I get parked in E.T., then we're doing pretty damn good. And I think about that every single time I drive <laughs> past E.T. now. <laughs> I was like the E.T. curse for my friends. We, I'd always ride in the car with them. And no matter what, we would always park in E.T. And like, I would always try to cheer them up. I'm like, well, you get your steps in today. <laughs> but on the inside, you're like, damn it. I wish we didn't park in E.T. <laughs> <laughs> We're about to uh, walk oh, around man. the entire park. But yeah, so I mean... There's a couple different pass options here. Yes. Segway music onto ticket prices for this year. Um, I remember Matt mentioning. I remember Matt mentioning in the last episode how he predicted the next year was going to be the first year that Horror Nights had a hundred dollar single night ticket, and he was right. The single night ticket costs a hundred one dollars and ninety nine cents plus tax, but you guys can calculate that on your own. Um, you'd be kind of silly to purchase a single night ticket, considering the next thing on the list, the Rush of Fear, it's about $20 less, almost $20 less, it's $83.99. Mm-hmm. And with that, you get, like, three weeks of the event. Yeah, you get the first three so weeks of the event. So why wouldn't you buy that? Um, yeah, so I don't, they're, they're just hoping to capitalize on the dumb people that don't do their research, which, like... <laughs> you don't want to make fun, but also having worked in a theme park and everything like that, you were just like surprised by the amount of people that just do not do any research and show up to Magic Kingdom at three o'clock on a Tuesday with a seven o'clock close time and uh, pay 150 <laughs> bucks for their ticket. So it doesn't surprise me that HHN is kind of in the same boat. But yeah, so I think what I wanted to mention here, especially, is that uh, this is also when I really started to pay attention to the infamous like Coca-Cola and Burger King discount, because I feel like that was everywhere for 25 I don't think I remember that. I was never a big person to buy fast food or soda, so I never like paid attention to that. What was that deal? So basically, if you had the Coke Zero deal... Uh, for HHN 25, it got you. And the only reason I remember this is my first trip to HHN 
we went to uh, the Publix right next to my workplace because I went with a bunch of coworkers, and um, <laughs> we bought a case of Coke so we could enter the coupon on the website so we could do it. <laughs> it looks like it was fifty bucks, which is like a massive discount as far as uh, <laughs> between paying the front gate prices or or buying a case of soda. Yeah. Um, well, moving on from the regular Russia Fear, you go on to the Russia Fear with Express. And this is if you want to buy Express with your Russia Fear, that will cost you $219.99, which is a huge step up from that $83 price tag. Yeah. And that, that was just for the base frequent fear, right? Uh, Russia Fear. Oh, Russia Fear. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah, if you want. Express with your Russia Fear, I guess it kind of makes sense because you only have the first three weeks or first three weekends and you really want to bang out those houses and get them all done. I guess it, some people might want to invest in it. Um, a lot of hardcore people might not, but you have to consider like people coming from overseas or from out of state who stay an extra long time, especially when they're going to Disney and all that stuff. They might want to buy that Express, but mm-hmm. it is a very large step up in price in comparison to that $83. Sure. It's a huge difference. And like, we've only seen it become more desirable as we've gone throughout the years, of course, with that express almost being, uh, told by, by a lot of people that it's the only way to experience the event. And I feel like that's kind of played into it a little bit. Um, as far as why express is so busy now, because you're basically kind of inundated with the, if you don't get express, you're not going to see everything. It's possible. You're going to be super tired at the end of the night, but like you can do it except, (laughs) you know, on the busiest nights. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about in just a second after we've listed off all the prices, but that has changed a lot as far as, uh, frequent fear pricing. I know you and I aren't big express people, mostly because we're both broke. Uh, yes, so. yes, entirely. Uh, it's a combination of being broke and always having the right people to hang out with, so I never feel like it's a, like, I have to grab it, you know? Yeah. Here, here. Um, well, moving on from the rush of fear, you move on to the frequent fear pass, and that will cost you $94.99, so almost $95 plus tax. Um, which isn't bad. I think this is the last year it's under $100. Um, yeah. I think I bought this one at first, and then I upgraded to Frequent Fear Plus later, um, which isn't a, a big upgrade either. Um, if you want to know how much the Frequent Fear Plus is, you uh, it is $110.99, and with that pass, you get an extra day. Um, so you're really you're only paying about $15 more to get an extra day every single week, which is why wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, at that price, you might as well just make the investment. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it just, I, I, I would love to hear what what they're, why they price things. Because obviously it's a science, right? Like it's, there's a reason that they're doing it. But I just kind of want to know a little bit of backstory about it. Yeah. Secrets will never uncover. <laughs> yeah. All right. And taking those two passes, you can go on to the Frequent Fear with Express, which is $234.99, which isn't that much of an increase from the Rush of Fear with Express, which was 219 which is weird. Again, such a weird uh, 
price hike for that rush of fear. Um, but if you want the Frequent Fear Plus with Express, it's going to be about 40 bucks more. And that'll be $279.99. Again, plus tax. Oof. Yeah, we're looking at that and we're like, oh man, that's a lot. But then when you also realize that the Frequent Fear Plus for 29 with Express was $459 last year, it's uh, $25 is looking pretty good by comparison. I don't know how <laughs> they, they added uh, they added two houses and went off their rocker on the pricing. Um, I guess that's it. All I have for ticket prices. Um, I remember that year, like I said, I bought the Frequent Fear Pass and then realized I needed to go more days. And I bought the Frequent Fear Plus, again, which was only 110 bucks or 111 plus tax, which is nothing. Yeah. And nowadays, it's going to cost you, what, nearly $150 for a Frequent Fear Plus. Give or take. And you know um, what? Oh, for, one thing that... I was going to say, for all of the Sorry. discussion that we're doing about pricing, I think it is important to note, like, Frequent Fear really is, like, the best value when it comes to, like, a haunt attraction, uh, if you're local or you're going to be here for a while, like what you get when you really break it down as far as, okay, well, if you're local, local like us, I might go 25 nights, 30 nights during the season. Um, so if I divide that by individual costs, like you're, you're literally down to like the dollars a day type situation and you're like, Oh, you know what? It's a little bit off the top, but it's going to be worth it. Yeah, and we definitely, I feel like myself, I'm spending more money on food and alcohol throughout the entire event than I am on my ticket. Yeah, yeah. And that's part of the reason, I mean, we've seen it where it's, uh, we have spent more money collectively this year on merchandise than we normally would because we had all that frequent fear money free up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but one thing to add, uh, there is no ultimate fear pass yet. And that one usually includes like all the days plus Saturday. Um, yeah, now I don't remember one. correctly. Um, back in the day, if you were a frequent fear pass holder, even a frequent fear plus pass holder, you could not get in on Saturdays. But we've also kind of <laughs> seen it turn around where like Saturdays, because like nobody buys an ultimate frequent fear, or in this case, like they couldn't get in. Like Saturdays have become the relatively slow nights, except much later in the yeah. event because. Pretty much everybody's priced out, <laughs> to be honest. I don't know. Maybe next year I'll uh, I'll fork over the cash and get the ultimate fear. Maybe. I would love to see it. With Express. <laughs> Can't imagine how much that would cost. Like $700? Too much is what I'm hearing. Too much. Well, that is it for the ticket prices for the event. Hunter, would you like to talk about the announcements for this year? Yeah, I would love to. So shout out to my good friend Gary uh, over at Gary Pounds on Twitter, who has been uh, keeping track of all this for a couple years now. Um, and that is, uh, well, thanks to him, honestly, that I've got this information. So I think one thing we do want to mention is that we got an announcement for this one pretty early on. And uh, what I mean by that is, for those of you who are, like, diehard in the fandom and uh, just really love HHN, live and breathe it, this is one of the first examples I can think of where, I mean, we did kind of see something similar with HHN 19, um, but this year they dropped a teaser, the closing night of HHN 25, that basically hinted at Jack making his big return. 
They didn't overtly yeah. say, hey, Jack is back. That that came with the later marketing. But you could totally tell that's what they were leading up to. Yeah, I think it was pretty much known. But at that point, um, I really wasn't as deep into the fandom as I should have been. And I had no idea who Jack was. Yeah. So everyone was freaking out. I'm like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I'm excited that you're excited, though. So yeah, after that announcement, kind of getting a sneak preview, we did officially get the announcement of Jack as the icon of HHN 25 on May 19th of that year. And then not long after is a house that's very near and dear to me, and that was Freddy vs. Jason, which was announced on June 10th. On July 16th, we've got Insidious. On July 30th, everyone collectively groaned with the return of The Walking Dead, Living in the Dead, which ended up, we're going to get into it, ended up becoming a notoriously uh, bad house, <laughs> to put it lightly. But you have the Purge announcement, which was August 17th, and it's no secret that that was the last-minute impromptu replacement for Scream. We got the announcement that American Werewolf in London was uh, returning that year after a, a year break from HHN 23. And then also on the same day of August 27th, that's when we got the show announcements, the original content, the scare zones, all that with a, a nice little midnight drop. A nice little bow on top. That's right. It really shows how far we've come when it comes to announcements. Like we've gotten so spoiled when it's like, yeah. it's it's March 15th. Where's our announcements? Um, and, like, they've kind of been building to that for a while. I mean, when we talk about the next year, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was April 14th uh, the next year. So almost a month earlier. And then yeah. 27 with American Horror Story returning was March 19th. So they've just kept getting earlier and earlier and earlier. But um, I love that the icon of the event was worthy enough to be kind of the kickoff with the, the Did You Miss Me uh, commercials and like ads and everything like that. Yeah. I don't think we'll ever see a day like that again. Where it's just the icon. Yeah. It would be cool. I would love to see it, but yeah, you're right. I just don't know if they'll ever do it. Womp womp. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into some scare zones though. So we're going to do this in order. We are going to go just around the park as you would experience them if you were to make a full circle. But instead of going into Hollywood, you are going to take the straight path all the way back to New York, which is going to put you through Avenue of the Stars, or excuse me, Plaza of the Stars. And uh, <laughs> Shelby, do you remember what our favorite scare zone was that year? And why was it Scary Tales Scream Punk? <laughs> uh, first of all, that's a complete lie. Um, <laughs> it is not our favorite. Uh, but Scary Tales Scream Punk was basically taking all of your favorite uh, fairy tale creatures from stories and lull lullabies and children's books and uh, a lot of scary tale, you know, ha haunted houses that they've done in the past and put on. <laughs> goggles and gears and pipes and wrenches and metal and rust and called it scary tale scream punk and it was okay <laughs> it was fine so this was the first scare zone Shelby, and i was telling you this earlier this is the first ever scare zone that i walked in at halloween horror nights so like in my head it was I was absolutely petrified at that point. I was like, oh, God, <laughs> what's going on with that, with that wolf? 
what's going on with that scarecrow? I don't like it. I don't understand it. <laughs> I uh, I am uncomfortable. Why is the scarecrow covered in mechanical gear? I don't understand. <laughs> um, but yeah, seriously though, so it was fine. And you know, you're totally right. The the backstory is uh, this year we're bringing to life our most horrifying scary tales characters with a new twist. This steampunk-inspired version of Scary Tales is sure to leave you screaming. It's cool that they tried to tie it into Scary Tales, but it's uh, yeah. it was it was an okay at best scare zone. I don't ever hear anybody ever talk about it. No, it was hit or miss. There were some cool parts in it. Um, I like the knights who stood at like each end of the zone with the little flag. Yeah, just a little generic knight. Um, but then you get the like Cinderella, or you get Belle in just like a corset and some goggles and it's a little weird and a little i don't want to say lazy because it's not lazy but it just feels like it's pandering to the steampunk crowd at the time which was very popular in like the early 2000s slash early 2010s yeah i remember distinctly when i was attending college there was this guy who dressed up in like full steampunk gear every single day he went to class so he showed up Looking kind of like Dreamfinder, but significantly less cool. <laughs> um, and I, I remember it distinctly. But yeah, it, it was fine. It was an introductory scare zone. The characters, like, I think the most frustrating part about it is, like, you get what they were going for. It just didn't entirely translate in execution. Yeah. It, like I said, it's hit or miss. Um, I think the big centerpiece was... Um, too big and i'm glad they kind of strayed away from that in later years having the big centerpiece in the middle of the road just because it 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 uh it acts as like a bottleneck and there's too many people going back and forth and i feel bad for those scare actors who are kind of crammed into that zone yeah you really don't have like a lot of wiggle room when you do something like that so but let's talk about a zone where you did have a lot of wiggle room. And this is a very mm-hmm. special zone to me, even though it narrowly missed our top five uh, scare zone episodes, I think, for me and you, um, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. Um, but I'm talking about Psychoscarapy Unleashed in New York, which I can honestly say mm-hmm. is probably the best scare zone that I have seen in New York in my time attending at the event. True. Because I know you're a big fan of anything like classic Halloween for sure. And this zone definitely It fully embraced it. It's like, hey, you know that classic Halloween zone that we normally put over in Central Park? Like, let's embrace some of those vintage vibes and uh, really mess it up, but have a good time while we're doing it. Yeah. So- All right. Uh, let's see. The criminally insane inmates of Shadybrook Asylum have escaped and unleashed their horror onto the Halloween block party in the streets of New York. Come join the partygoers as the inmates kill for the best Halloween costumes for their very own special costume contest where you will be the judge. Mm -hmm. And I just thought this was the perfect design of little sets. Um, I kind of miss when, well, I don't even kind of miss. I totally miss when these scare zones would go all the way through New York because I feel like that's kind of a lost thing now where it's just kind of like Zombieland literally ended like halfway through and it was just like a dark section. (laughs) Um, So like this zone really covered all the the area of New York and uh, it was very successful at it. And of course, shout out to our favorite uh, patient who is carving a human head like a jack-o'-lantern. Yeah, you had that little station, you had the uh, apple bobbing, station where they were basically drowning a man 
Um, and then you had the costume contest that was right in front of the now tribute store, Macy's Building. And you all had to cheer for the best costume that they could bring up on stage. And I believe they murdered um, like a police officer or a doctor up on stage like every 30 minutes or so. But yeah, you're totally right about the... Uh... You're totally right about that classic, like, Halloween vintage aesthetic. And I've actually, this entire time we've been talking, I've been having videos play in the background of just the different scare zones. And, and uh, man, this one is really high up for me that year. I, w- I would dare say it's the the second best zone that year after one really yeah. big one. Uh, well, even then, I struggle with that because there's another one that's really good. But I think I'm going to give this one a leg up. It wasn't my favorite, but I think it was better just because of the scale and really utilizing all of that section of the park. Oh, yeah. It was a knockout for sure. I remember we spent a lot of time in there just watching the little trick-or-treaters run around. Even Do you remember, the... remember Kitty Cat Girl? Much huh? Do you remember Kitty Cat Girl? Oh, yeah. Yeah. She, she was, was awesome. Great. Um, there was one guy used to run around with like his pillow, his like friend pillow, and he would try to get you to uh, meet or lick your friend the the friend pillow. Like, oh, great! Did you ever lick? The I don't pillow, know if they do it anymore. <laughs> I don't know if they do it anymore. But the actors used to go up to the windows at Finnegan's. Yeah, and, like bang on the windows. Yeah, the people sitting at Finnegan's. Like you were saying, there's two other zones that we both like more. Um, if you want to tech, talk about the next one in order, which yeah. is so let's uh, let's hop on over to San Francisco for the all night die-in double feature, and uh, wander down the streets of San Francisco, and you'll come across this theater that has been named the Die-In due to the gruesome murders that occurred. Enter if you dare, and um, talk about like the biggest like underselling of your zone. I know, like the fact that this wasn't like come meet iconic movie characters. Like, I understand what they were doing. Like, you you want to save that surprise because it's, like, towards the back of the park. And, like, especially if you didn't know anything and you walk back there and you're like, holy crap, is that Jason? You're you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna have that freaking out moment like I did the first time that I made it back there. And just the fact that this scare zone had two different casts really oh, pushes it into just, like, top tier. Oh, yeah. It was so good. We used to hang out and wait until the next cast came out just so we could, like, watch the transition from black and white to color or color to black and white. It was just so cool because I think the films on the screen even changed along with with whatever cast was out. Yeah. And they've done kind of like that dingy, like theater aesthetic i mean arguably to its best effect and slaughter cinema of course but like anytime they're doing that you know car out front of san francisco with the body inside and inside this like (laughs) grungy rundown area it's awesome and like san francisco is like it's such an interesting zone because it's where they try to do like these great big ideas and whether or not they work or not, because it's such a tight zone, like it just depends, but, but it uh, is such a tight zone. Like, dang. yeah, uh, especially, I felt like it was really, it was really notable during 28 that we didn't have uh, anything back there. And they just kind of had like the, the roaming mechanic drill team. Yeah. I remember that being very last minute too. Yeah, I, that that wasn't there at all, and it definitely once the bringing back uh, Hellbilly last year really helped the flow of that area. 
But um, talking about this zone in particular, so did you prefer the black and white cast or the color cast? Oh, the black and white cast. Yeah. It's, it's too classic. Like that's a given. Oh, yeah. I just like uh, taking pictures with Dracula. Um, who else? Oh, Boris Karloff. Uh, Mummy. It was just so good. And then, uh, oh, what was it? Psycho. Yeah, um, him walking around. Yeah, with Norman it just, Bates. It was, um, for, if you're listening, I'm sure you know what happened in this zone. But if you don't, uh, every set change, the actors in the zone would change to different horror icons from movies over the years. But each cast was a different era of horror. So you had the classic era from like the 1920s to the 1940s. And they were all in black and white. They had their famous, uh, faces painted all white and gray and shaded. And their costumes were all black and white. And then the second cast was all more modern, like from the late 70s to all the way up. I think the strangers were even included. Yeah. Uh, I think the purge, if I remember correctly. Uh, but it was all more modern. Yeah. Uh, Carrie was in there. Um, that that was a very popular one. Um, and then I so... It's really hard to beat those classic black and white characters, though. Uh, like yeah. you're you're listing these like iconic modern horror characters, but especially when you're talking about the original Universal Monsters lineup, and I feel like the scare actor in particular that gets a lot of credit this year is actually the Doctor Frankenstein character. Yeah, he was a lot of fun. Um, I remember the, the the thing that used to walk around, and the other cast. He was pretty cool. Oh, I totally forgot about that guy. You're right. He had like the big monster claw and then the stretchy face. That was a good one. I'm a big fan of stretchy face. Let's just call him Me that. Too. Let's uh let's I will. unofficial nomenclature. <laughs> Mr. Stretchy Face. <laughs> so yeah, any any last thoughts about uh All Night Die in double feature though? Um not really. I mean, it was just a lot of fun to just sit there and watch the characters do their thing. Especially back then, that was where one of the houses would exit. So the characters would get everybody coming out of that house. And that was a lot of fun. But like you were saying, this zone, it's up there with my favorites, but it's not my number one for the year. Yeah, there's just something, something so important. And uh there's a reason I went in this direction. If you remember HHN25, you'll know why. So, but before we do that, we got to go all the way around. We got to go past the Fear Factor Live Stadium. Uh, maybe stop at Bill and Ted along the way. Uh, hello, boys. It's been a minute. Um, so, walking all the way through, through Springfield, and then you are going to eventually reach Evil's Roots in Central Park. And being perfectly honest, this is the one that I had to watch footage of. To be reacquainted with because I tend to remember it not being very distinctive. And after watching footage again, I got to say that, yeah, it, it's not very distinctive, unfortunately, when it comes to like scare zones. I feel like they kind of had a run during these years where like all the Central Park scare zones kind of ran together until Trick or Treat hit that yeah. spot. And uh, this one is is very much in that same situation. If I remember correctly, this one had a lot of throwbacks to The Hollow, yeah. which is an old house. 
Yeah, and like it was nice uh, because basically, so the description here is it's time to be immersed in Halloween's most evil traditions in the scare zone located in Central Park. Here you'll find the event's traditional jack-o'-lanterns in the air as you encounter evil fairies, humanoid bats, scarecrows, and more. So yeah, it's it's totally like that. Here's vintage, classic, but scary Halloween. Yeah. It had some of my favorite set pieces, though, and those were those giant pumpkin scarecrows, but, like, super skinny with their ribs out. I thought it was really, really cool. Yeah. Um, it kind of... It was a gorgeous zone, of course. It, it was a very pretty zone, but I feel like when you have so many other ones that are so distinctive, um, you, you just kind of forget about it, right? Just because... Everything else is so classic. I will say they did feature, uh, yeah. I did get to see the infamous uh, Groot scare actor this year. Um, <laughs> our, our favorite tall boy hanging out. And of course, anytime you do the pumpkins and the trees, I'm all about it. Oh, yeah. It had some of my favorite costumes, though, like Pumpkin Guy. He's always a classic to see at Horror Nights. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Samhain character, like the Devil Goat guy yeah i believe he was in hollow back in the day yes i i believe so as well and i do love the the giant bat stilt walker as well because they went very like traditional bat with his design which i think is fun but like there's some stuff like like i said i watched a little bit of footage like the fairies like don't really work for me the random like lord of the rings orcs that they've thrown in there there's like a lot of stuff that i'm like oh that's kind of fun but then the rest of it kind of just doesn't click for me, unfortunately. Yeah. It's always hit or miss with this uh, area of Central Park. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really is. It's one of the most divisive, like, areas. Because when they knock it out of the park, they really knock it out of the park. But uh, otherwise, it's just kind of there, and then you forget about it. Yeah, unfortunately. I will say I did love Twisted Tradition in there. I thought that was the perfect, like, Halloween zone. Yeah, there are definitely enough pumpkin-y themes. And I love, of course, the church at the front of the street, which is something they haven't done before. Yeah. Or no, they have. They built a schoolhouse. What am I saying? Oh, that's right. Take my hornet card away. (laughs) Well, you answered the questions correctly earlier. (laughs) So entering into the final zone, Shelby, I'm going to let you tackle this one because... This one we have talked about in a fair amount of detail already just because this was on our top five scare zones that we had personally seen at the event list. And uh, for good reason. I believe this was like one and two for us, respectively. Yeah. I feel like it's always brought up into some sort of conversation we have no matter what. So I'm I'm sure our listeners are well aware that we like this zone. Yeah. Um, but I will go right into it. This in Hollywood is Icons HHN. It's time to take a look back in history and come face to face with the icons from our past. Iconic characters from the event's 25 year history, such as the caretaker, the storyteller, the director, and more, will be found roaming the streets of Hollywood and scene. And scene, uh, for your best director impression. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, what can be said that hasn't been said? about this zone to be honest like this for you and i was such a huge deal just because this was our first encounter with all these icons um 
we had heard the legends, we had seen the Travel Channel specials, we'd seen the YouTube videos, <laughs> but being able to walk up and see the Usher face-to-face and the director and seeing Cindy uh, chase people around with a chainsaw and they even fit my favorite <laughs> little Crypt Keeper in there. Like, everything you could want to see was in this zone. And it's just so incredibly clever that you have Jack himself on a big stage at the end of this zone and then you have all the icons doing mini shows in a line straight up through yeah. Hollywood. It was beautiful. It was like a work of art all through the zone. And then at the end, when you're done watching all the little vignettes, you get Jack at the end. And it's like a nice finale to like a Horror Nights story. Um, but I believe, I don't know if I remember the order of the icons correctly. I believe it was director on the right. No, Usher on the right, sorry. And then it was Storyteller on the left, Director on the right, and then Caretaker on the left. Mm-hmm. I believe that's correct. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm right. I think that's right. <laughs> but uh, so when I but... walked into this zone, I actually entered it the opposite way. So my first uh, yeah. my first interaction with an icon was actually with the, the Caretaker himself. Well, you did it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, but uh, look, I was with a party, we'll give you my first night at HHN when we get to the houses episode, but uh, yeah, <laughs> but like like I said, and I, I don't want to beat home this point too much just because we've said it, but there was something so special about getting that moment with something that you were a fan of for a long time before you were actually able to see these people in real life. Yeah, um, but not just the original icons were in this house it was like you were saying there's a whole bunch of other scare actors included on the streets you had crypt keeper i believe you had lady luck mm-hmm. you had eddie walking around you had cindy um and then you had like little scare actors from years past like fierce minions and uh the oh gosh the seven deadly sins zone from 21 just seven you had yeah. those ladies walking around um, it was just so much, and I, I just remember sitting on a bench with my old roommate at the time, and she was just pointing out all the the actors, and she was like, oh, that was from, that was one of the Terror Queen uh, minions, and that was one of Fear's little lantern minions, and it was just so neat to sit there and learn about the history of Horror Nights just sitting in a scare zone. It was like my own Wikipedia page. <laughs> I love that. And I kind of, I'm a little jealous, to be honest, because I didn't have anybody like that in my life. And uh, now I'm going to cry because I never had a father figure. <laughs> and um... <laughs> oh. <laughs> seriously, well, though. Think of it this way, Hunter. You are the father figure to new Horror Nights fans. Oh, my goodness. I, I'm just, I'm going to teach you all how to, how to throw a fishing line Gonna teach you how to check your brakes, uh, change your oil. Um, about that time, the caretaker was portrayed by a woman. I'll tell you all that. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that actually happened. But, uh, anyways, yeah, I just this scare zone means a lot to so many people just because it was a lot of people's first contact. And, like you're saying, having that experience with being a new fan, entering in with an old fan. And being able to bond over that is such an incredibly special thing. And I think that happened for a lot of people. Yeah. And it's something that should continue to happen. Like, if you're a hardcore Horror Nights fan, I don't think you should beat down people who have only been going a couple of years. You should 
please take the time to like educate them and share your love of the event with them. Completely. But Shelby, unfortunately, that completes our tour around the park for the scare zones. <laughs> our grand circle tour of <laughs> Universal Studios. And we are moving on. Moving on. That's right. Oh, rest, rest in peace, disaster. Uh, this was your last year for your queue, I'm pretty sure. Yep, it totally was. Uh, yeah. And we'll get mm-hmm. into that at a later date. But we do want to go ahead and thank you for joining us for this first section of our HHN 25 retrospective, talking about some of the the basic event details and then diving into the scare zones. So if this is your first time joining the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights, make sure to subscribe. That way you can hear as we continue on through the series and then work our way up through all of the event years at HHN. We've had a lot of fun uh, covering a bunch of different things. As you know, we've got the Stay and Scream cast. Matt just posted his legacy and lore episode on the feed all about Old Smokey. So make sure to check that out if you haven't already. Old Smokey being the infamous electric chair. All right. That brings us to the conclusion. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, hey, remember, friends, did you miss me? Thank you for listening to the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights podcast. The Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights is a Neozaz Internet Entertainment production. For more great podcasts and original entertainment, visit our website at neozaz.com. The Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights is not affiliated with nor endorsed by Universal Studios Florida. All Halloween Horror Nights properties, icons, titles, events, and related items are property, trademark, and copyright, Universal Studios, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. For more Halloween Horror Nights coverage, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast and follow our Twitter account at Neozaz. To help support the series and all the work we do at Neozaz, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Thanks for listening.